Yeah, so email Rob Ford about the Linux and the laptops and how uh, you're teaching people to use software that they're just going to have to spend an absolute fortune when they graduate. So teach them open source. Plus, Linux allows uh, the students to, you know, pro learn programming, get whatever, pretty much any software they want. Uh, and some of the best software doesn't require the security and the malware. But the other thing I said is, is we have to uh, more... Um, more specifically direct the IT. So um, security and I think the Sati host and the and uh, Linux and open source and like uh, uh, green technology, mindful as in, um, you know, compassion, uh, goodwill, conscientious type corporations and choices. Um, yeah, so, uh, oh, and the other idea that I had that I wanted to record is, so when you're doing the Satiho, you want, what we'll do is create a new page that actually highlights the companies that actually made their website, run their website, and their, try to run the entire company as consciously as possible. They're aware. You know what I mean? So use that as, uh, as a benefit. And then separately... Right, the IT, the host, uh, and the consulting, which is like a mindful type consulting. We should create a website about um, mindfulness. And literally every book I opened, all these people are ripping them off. Because literally we're reading the third day of the Bartle Thedul, and it says it right there. Like all these, yesterday it said that, just like I said, and I get made fun of, that uh, the Sukhavati is within us, the pure land, the paradise that we all seek, is actually within us. That paradise is when we become purely aware, aware of our own delusions and BS, then we are free, we're liberated, right? just said that and then today it said that the pure light of these buddhas that dawn in the between states is actually just the awareness and all that light dawns from within you within your own heart so boom it's all within us the mind only isn't the shit doesn't exist the mind only means it's all dependent on how we relate to it and more importantly all of these teachings are very much metaphor but more importantly they're talking about what's in us. So the fact that many of these sects have missed this and are actually zealously opposed to the idea that there isn't this eastern or western or southern heaven just lying around somewhere, I just don't know what to say. So again, what we learned yesterday is positivity. So instead of um, calling out the ones that got it wrong, just use your knowledge to show how simple it actually is because I mean hey remember this so one of the most important I could actually contact him I never even thought of it so there's a vet advocate who helps vets oh god so I've been talking to him for a while and um, he doesn't know me from Adam but I think he knows me now because I've been commenting on his post for a very 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 long time um, I, uh, he posted a post recently and he was, he was probably in a hard way or something and he was talking about he met one guru once and told him about karma and he was dealing with a past life thing so I just gave him a response of what karma really is right because if you hear from some of these some of these sects doesn't even have to be Buddhist some of the Hindu sects as well 
they'll tell you about past lives, but they won't explain what they mean. So here he's thinking he's done something in his past life that he's going to continue to pay for, rather than the true teachings. Karma is action. So what that means is you have done something that you know you shouldn't have done. You feel guilty, regret. That's that negative energy that follows you. That's what we're talking about in the Bartoth the Duel. You will see this negative energy surround you in the between state. You're not supposed to embrace it or attach to it. That's, that's the actual teaching right there. So karma isn't about good and bad actions and it follows you from life to life. It's about if you spend... Well, remember, you're just a big body of energy. You're not a self. There's no ego. Your ego does not transmute in karma. So when you know that tenant, how can you believe that a past action is directly impinging on your life today? No. The teaching is, and I've said this before, as uh, the, the Dhammapada says, how better to cover a bad deed than with a good one, right? So the teaching is, if you lived a bad life, and in the end, you chose to embrace the negativity, then yes, you've been born into a negative state. But even in that negative state, you still have the opportunity at each and every moment, each and every single moment, you are reborn again. Each and every single choice you make recreates who you are. When we talk about the impermanence of all things. How can we think that karma resides? It does not. So when it comes to this remaining or magnetic karma, in fact, when it comes to karma that is um, well, that's karma, right? Karma is action. No matter what sect or what translation you look at, comma, um, in Pali, it's action. Now, it also means other things, just like Dhamma. Dhamma means phenomena. It means the teachings, right? Same as jhana. Jhana is uh, a mind state, but it's also the act of getting into that mind state. So it's the same as karma or kama. It is the act, and you want it to be a good act because, again, you know that to be good is the proper the proper way. The Chinese call it the, the golden mean or the central path. It's the proper way to be, right? The middle way, the Madhyamaka. The middle way is not excess, right? So not hedonism, not insufficiency, not aestheticism, but the middle way, the golden mean, the central path, right? That's uh, uprightness, and it's a concerted effort and honesty and truthfulness, right? But what is that you're being honest and truthful about? 
it actually starts with yourself. And that's what the truth is about. It's this awareness, right? So here's how you can understand karma. Right? Awareness teaches us that our ego tries to delude us into believing what isn't true. And this is exactly what karma's doing. Right? Your ego allows you to believe some of these gurus who will tell you that your karma will follow you from one life to the next, but won't go any further. Again, they want to teach you with insufficiency so that you can keep coming back. So I think I'll just tell you what that missing piece is. Yes, your karma will follow you, but only if you choose to let it. So the actual deed doesn't follow you. Once again, it's your choice to attach to that negative energy. So if you've done a negative deed and you feel guilty, don't repeat it. In fact, do a good deed. Think of the joy, right? It replaces that guilt or that sadness. And that's that rebirth that you can experience at every moment. So to think that that karma is an external force acting upon you from one life to the next, it's absolutely contrary to the teachings. Karma is action. It is an internal force. Arguably in English, you could consider it guilt, attachment, regret. Right? There's no good or bad karma. There's just karma. So that's what gets missed. It's kind of like you cross the river Styx and you get uh, your soul gets weighed. It's the same sort of idea. Right? It's not an external force again. This is you. So the six intermediate states, or the bardos, in Tantric Buddhism. There's the conscious state, the in-between state of, uh, um, well, the, the samadhi state, but it's the, the, the theta waves between uh, sleep and awake. Then there's your dream state. Um, then there's three states, uh, technically, uh, in the in-between. So there's just post-death, and then there's, uh, you know, that uh, radiant light where the Buddhas uh, come to meet you. So that between state is actually about you. In fact, the Bartholdul even says, all of that light and all of those heavens reside within you, within your own heart. So that's you coming to terms with the energy, energy that you surrounded yourself with in life. And what do I mean by that? It's simply who you are. At the end of your life, if you've been a horrible person, you're surrounded by negative energy. This is not a, a spiritual, supernatural sort of idea. Just think of the energy that surrounds incredibly negative people versus the energy that surrounds incredibly positive people. So there's your duality, right? You do want to rest in the middle, 
And the reason why is you don't want to have the, uh, the blue mist of the human realms to attract you too much. Because the goal is to get off of this uh, wheel of becoming, this birth and death and rebirth cycle. Right? So what's keeping us here are these same delusions, these same egos, right? To think that, well, your bad luck in this life comes from a previous life, from a karma in a previous life. That is absolutely abhorrent to the teachings. Even the Theravadins, for the most part, won't say that, uh, you know, you're permanently cast based on one choice. No, the teachings are about finding a balance. But arguably the real teachings about awareness. So here we are again, back to awareness. The awareness of karma is it's your choice. You can do a bad deed if you didn't mean to do it. That's not bad karma, as they say. The reason why is intention, right? So here we are again. Karma, what is it? It's action. It's choice. Karma is active. Yes. But it's not acting on you. Karma is your choices that you make. So as simple as if someone tells you what karma is, again, because it's this weird word, karma, it sounds funny, but it's simply who you are. What sort of energies you attach to yourself. Arguably, it's no different than um, this idea of the self. Okay? Um, we talk about the self resides in the mind, but what is the mind? What we consider ourselves, and not the physical um, organ of the brain, but what is the mind? You can't really put your finger on the actual mind. You're, you, who you think you are, is a collection of, you know, your hands, and your legs, your feet, your heart, your lungs, right? Where you were born, who you live with, you know, what television shows you like, or the books you like to read, or, you know, your favorite food. But none of that is you. And that's what we're talking about here. So if you choose to believe that your past actions are causing your negative karma in this lifetime, you've just made that a fact. All you need to do is understand that karma, being action, action that flows from you and you alone, then you can't uh, misconstrue the teachings of karma, right? I'm guilty of it myself. I've, uh, I've lived a life of self-debt and recrimination. That's exactly what the teaching is about, right? You can't doubt yourself that no matter how bad of a life you created for yourself in this one or the last or even a thousand before that, you have to have the confidence in yourself 
that you're able to integrate these teachings. And what teachings am I talking about? I'm talking about that everything is dependent upon you. What lies within you, the choices you make, how you think, how you feel. Nothing else influences you. Nothing external will ever, ever impact you unless you choose to make it real. Right? In teaching, in the Buddhist teachings, there's actually three realities. There's the uh, illusionary, illusory, or the imaginary reality, right? Where you're living completely delusional. Then there's a between state, right? Uh, but this between state, and I liken it to uh, a gentleman who never knew he was colorblind. And I say gentleman because they're more commonly colorblind in the male. A gentleman who's been colorblind in his entire life never knew that he was colorblind. You give him a special pair of uh, eyeglasses that allow him to see color for the first time. He becomes awakened to his own awareness. That his own reality was not how he perceived it, right? When he looked at grass, he saw brown, not green, as example. There's different types of colorblindness. And there's different types of delusions in this world. So this is the exact same thing. Believing karma acts upon you externally is the same sort of delusion. It's your ego trying to convince you that you are powerless to change your lot so that you will remain bound to this wheel of becoming, this birth and death and rebirth cycle. The idea is not that it's just, you know, a, a metaphysical, magical uh, um, uh, experience or uh, it's not even an attainment. That's the real truth here. Is uh, your Atman, uh, in Hindu, it's a little piece of Krishna that we get, that little uh, spark uh, when we're born. To the Buddhist, the Atman, it's the Tathagatagarbha which is the Buddha nature. What is Buddha nature? Buddha nature is just the one who knows. So all it's saying is <laughs> you realize the truth. You're awake. You're awakened. You're aware. You're focused. You're no longer deluded. You're no longer distracted. Right? So that between state is before you've achieved that integration or coalescence or Ishvara uh, in, uh, in Sanskrit, the Hindu. That pure awareness or Satipatthana in Pali, one of my favorite uh, Buddhist uh, sutras. Uh, Satipatthana translates as mindfulness, uh, Sati, and Patana uh, to reside in. So, that middle state is when you come to realize that awareness allows you to see your world and experience it much more real. Not 100% uh, real, because, I mean, even me, I mean, I've been studying this for over 30 years, uh, and almost exclusively um, Tantric Buddhism which is a mind-only school, right? Chittamaran is what I would say. 
I took the bodhicitta vow at a very young age. And yet, every day I suffer from these same delusions, right? But see, I'm in that middle state, right? So I'm not completely deluded in allowing myself to suffer at my own hands needlessly and endlessly. I'm in that middle space where I understand that I am, um, I am the, the bringer <laughs> of my negative karma, my bad luck, my lot, my choices, my everything. I am the source of everything, my good and bad. But as humans, right, like Nietzsche said, um, we'd be gods if not for our guts, meaning our desires. And that's the truth of this. Buddhism itself talks about four noble truths. Uh, again, translated and translated and handed down. But it's commonly translated as there is a truth to this existence, this samsaric existence, this life we all live here on the earth. There's a truth, and that truth is that we find it dissatisfying. I prefer that translation. It's becoming the more common um, translation because there are things that bring you joy, right? Uh, the suffering is to remind you that when that joy ends, we tend to suffer. We tend to suffer when the bad times are around, but we tend not to celebrate when those bad times end. I like to quote Rudyard Kipling when he says in his poem, If, you should treat triumph and disaster as the, the imposters that they are. And when we talk about integration and pure awareness, it's talking about, again, I like to quote Rudyard Kipling and his poem, If. Again, a gentleman who served in uh, India during the Raj. I believe it was the Raj, but it turned a century before um, it was an independent country. So uh, he learned to love the culture, the philosophy. I have no doubt that the poem, If itself, I consider it to be a, a treatise on this um, truth of life. And what he says is if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, the earth is yours and all that's in it. And I may have misquoted that because it is my mantra, but um, I'm in a bit of a weird state right now because as I said, I'm in that middle state where I understand that my pure awareness would end my dissatisfaction, right? Because I understand the second noble truth. The second noble truth in the four noble truths is that there is a source of this dissatisfaction, right? And what they mean by a source, it isn't just where it comes from. It is the only source. It is the root of our suffering, commonly translated like that. That's why they say suffering, right? Because your ego will encourage you to embrace joy even though it just brings on suffering. So that third noble truth is that there is an end to that suffering. Oh, I forgot to mention the root. <laughs> I mentioned it earlier. It's your ego. Right? This is what it all revolves around. The marks, three marks of existence. 
non-self is what I like to translate it as. Because there is a self, but you can't make everything about the self. Because that's the root of the suffering. Desire based in selfish ego. I've been studying theosophy and, and philosophy, religion for, well, come near four decades. Um, I personally think that uh, a lot of these truths are universal. You'll find them in uh, Christian thought, Jewish thought, Hindu thought, Muslim thought. Uh, long story short, I believe it all boils down to a choice. A choice of living selfishly or selflessly. Right? Because that's the fourth noble truth. The fourth noble truth is that that source of our dissatisfaction, our selfish ego, our desires based in our selfish ego, those, uh, those sufferings have uh, an end. So as I said, the teachings tell us that if you reside in pure awareness, karuna, compassion, ahimsa, no harm to yourself or others. If you follow this noble eightfold path that was laid down, but it really is just simply how to best live, right? Right thought, right speech, right action, right effort, right? So you do something, but you got to make sure it's the right effort, right? And then there's the concentration of right mindfulness, right concentration, right? I mean, the Noble Eightfold Path, they all break down to the same thing. It's your choice to be selfless or selfish. Again, we got to go back to the golden mean or the middle way. So not too much or too little, right? So you don't want to go to aestheticism and you don't want to go to hedonism. 